You know, a lot of things gets misconstrued in the church, and I and I tell you what, I I am so much for teaching. I feel like I got a bug in my ear here. Hang on there a second. I don't know where my other cable's at. There we go. Uh, but it's so important. You know, Jesus went about teaching, and and and. So important to see and to know how these things uh, operate. Let me, let me give you these verses here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. This is the confidence and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired. There's a key word of him. Now we've been talking, you know, we started out in Psalm 8 and then we've been over in Psalm 2 and, and brought this around uh, to this asking and this is where we ended last week. Jesus is the final revelation of God. You know, people think, well, Jesus is the good one. You know, good cop, bad cop. Jesus is the good one. God is the bad one. He'll really get you. Jesus is gentle. God is rough. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's, he, he came to reveal who the Father is. Uh, so I was telling my friend this morning, I said, no man knows the Father save the Son. That's what Jesus said. He said, nobody knew Him. Nobody could express Him other than Jesus. They had, a, they had an in-part revelation. You cannot know the Father except in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the express image of the Father. Everything that God said in the Old Testament came to its fruition, came to its fullness in Christ Jesus. He's the finale of it all. The expression image. He is the will of God. He is God telling us what God is like. Imagine that. God the Son telling us what God the Father is like. He's so much so, he said, if you've seen me, this is not just a look upon. This is, have you seen me? Seen me, that's a, that's a deep, intimate knowing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's to that one, to Him, Jesus. To Him is given that name above every name. Why? Because He's the express image. That name that is above every name because He's the final revelation. And that one lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Who does what? Testifies, brings to your remembrance all that Jesus has done. All who He is. So the will of God. Now this is, this is, this is where people get lost here when it comes to prayer. He puts His desires in us. You know... Um, here in, in uh, Philippians, right, where it says a name above every name. Philippians 2.13, for it is God 
which worketh in you. Now, who works in you? God. He works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, he puts his desires in you. Now, a lot of people, you know, they, they ask the question, is it me or is it the Lord? Is it me or is it the Lord? That's like, is it me or is it the Lord? You know, that, that's a stumbling stone to many of us. We, you need, we need, I need, we need to learn to trust our desires. Because who puts them in there? The Holy Spirit. I mean, He lives in you. He lives in your mind. He lives in your, I mean, you have the mind of Christ, according to Paul. He lives in your desires. We got to stop thinking when it comes to prayer, that triangle approach, I'm here, the problem's here, and God's over here. You know, the triangle approach. But we got to get out of that thinking. He is in you. When he thinks, guess what? You think. He, th- he thinks inside of your head. Now, maybe it's just a, a, a flicker. Y'all know what a flicker is? You know, just a flicker. When he desires, he desires in you. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, write those things down. And let the Holy Spirit blow on that flicker and let it become a flame. That's where it starts out, isn't it? That little flicker. I mean, you don't know. And... and and I don't know if anybody's ever tried to, to start a fire before, but, you know, you kind of hold your breath and you kind of keep the other air because so quickly it can go out. But, you know, you're holding up your hand and trying to keep that, you know, protected, that little, that little faint flicker. I mean, when you go somewhere, you ever wonder, why did you notice that person? Because he's using your eyes. They're, they're, I, I said that wrong. Do, do you know they're not your eyes anymore? Because you're his body. So, uh, here's what Paul says about that. Let me, let me go over there in, in Romans. And I, I want you to get a hold of this. Romans chapter 6. Uh, let's see. Boy, I, I just love Romans 6. One of my favorites. Let's, uh, let's go to verse 11. All right. Well, well, chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've talked about this verse a million times. Reckon, that's an accounting term. You need, you need to, to understand how that you are dead indeed unto sin, but not only that, alive unto God, but not you, alive through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is your state of being. Your state of being through Christ Jesus is alive unto God. Okay, so we got to establish our state of being. This is going to be important here in a few minutes. Because that's your state of being, Paul says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now see, he's coming at us and saying, you know, before you was a slave to sin, but now you're dead to it, so it no longer, no longer give it place. Let it not reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust thereof. Its lust. 
Now, now, now see, a minute ago we're talking about the desires and then lust. See, we got a contrast here, and there's, there's, there's a difference. And see, a lot of times we don't know the difference. But he says, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, so you wouldn't obey the lust. But then there's a desire over here. And then he says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, unto that. But yield yourselves, you know what yield is, smit. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members instruments of righteousness unto God. Your members instruments. You know, a few minutes ago, well, we were playing some instruments, right? That instrument had to yield to, it just didn't make its own noise. Well, it may have sounded like it was making its own noise, but... I was trying to, you know, I put my fingers on the strings in a certain way. When I hit the strings, it gave a certain sound that yielded. He says, yield your members as instruments. What is an instrument? It's something, something to be used, right, under God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Then he makes this statement. He, he asked this three or four times in this chapter. Know ye not? You know, know ye not? Back a few minutes ago, know ye not? As many of you were baptized into Christ, were baptized unto his death. Now he says it again. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you will you obey. Who are you going to obey? The lust or the desires? Okay? And he says here, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So he poses the question now. Which one are you going to do? Do you want death or righteousness? But then he says, ah, but, th- but God be thanked. You were the servants of sin. That used to be who you were. That was your state of being. That's who you were. You were servants of sin. That word servant there means slave. And you know what? A slave don't have any freedom. You know, a lot of people, they don't think that. But, you know, the, uh, but I read it, Paul wrote that, that the God of this world has blinded their minds. It couldn't even help it. But now you can help it. I say, you know, a lot of people don't really. You can't help it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's what Paul is saying because people think, hey, I'm free. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm free to do whatever. Paul says, hang on there just a second. Whom you obey, you're a servant to. Remember we did a lesson a while back called uh, the pierced ear, the bond slave, the one that says, I will not go out free. I love my master. I love my wife. So you're, you're, we're servants. You're either going to serve Sin and death or serve the Lord. It, I mean, either way. But God be thanked, you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, or delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. 
And I, I, I want to, uh, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. He said, that's what you used to do. Even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Paul sounds like a lawyer sometimes in his writing. Especially in Romans. Uh, yield yourselves. Yield your members, your, your instruments. What did, what, what's he talking about? You know, again, and, and I, I say this because you'll find this happens to you a lot. Uh, and Tracy, uh, last night, we were, we were down at exit seven and went into Burks and, and there was a lady in there that had, there was a couple of them and she had a Dow syndrome little girl. And, and, you know, your eyes fasten on them. And, you know, I had to go down the other aisle right by them. I was praying the blessings of God on that little girl. And, and, you know, when I seen her, I don't, you know, they were pushing her around and she was kind of quiet and just, just all of that stuff. And I just, I think, you know, we see that sometimes and we think, wow, how pitiful uh, because that's the distortion that sin has brought on the creation. And we see somebody else who's normal and we don't really see it as magnified. But you know what? Sin has distorted everyone that's came into this world. That's why we must be born again. We must be born from above. We must be made new creatures in Christ Jesus because sin distorted every one of us, blinded every one of us. But because of the finished work, I realized last night that it wasn't my eyes seeing that little girl. These were the Lord's eyes. And he, I mean, what? We, what, are we, what is our part in the prayer? We ask. And I knew, and I, I knew them verses right there in Romans 6. So I, I yielded my eyes. I had a choice, didn't I? I had a choice to not see her and go on. Or I had a choice to fasten my eyes upon her. And pray. Right? I yielded my members, my eyes, and I yielded my lips and my tongue to pray for that girl. And when we walked out, it seemed like Tracy and I followed them to two or three stores. You know, it just, it just kept happening. They were there either in front of us or behind us, and we just kept going down. But I, I know I, I picked up on one of them that was pushing around was her grandma. And at, at one juncture, she smiled at me. And at that moment, it was like I knew that she knew. I don't know. And you might think, ah, oh, he makes this stuff up. No, that's how I live, guys. That's how I live. Yielding your, your members. That's how I got into teaching. Listen, everybody wants to be a big famous preacher and, and get everybody all, you know, excited and, you know, go around and say, hey, we've had, you know, 
here in our community, not long ago, they were putting on Facebook every day, 100 saved, 200 saved, 300 saved, 400 saved, 500 saved. Remember? Where are they at? I mean, really, where, where are they now? Am I saying they didn't get saved? I'm not saying any of that, but I never cared about that. I'm always thinking, well, who's going to teach them now? Where are they? Because they come in and they get excited and, and they get saved. And then when the excitement leaves, I mean, you guys know that, I mean, you know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, there's the baby shower, and there's the building, the crib, and there's all of that, and, and all the little toys, and then, you know, there's the, the, the day that they're born, and everybody's at the hospital, and all of that. And then there's the day you bring them home, and then there's the messy diapers, and then there's a spit up, and then, you know, everybody else, they're gone. Worse than now, you are here with them for the rest of your life, teaching them, Right? That's why I got into teaching. They, some just care about how many got saved. But somebody's got to grow them up. I thought, nobody's teaching. I was talking to the guy this morning. Nobody's teaching. Who's teaching? You know, pastor, or how is it? Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know, that's the, uh, you know, the, the people who aren't very good. Let them be the teachers, Denise. I mean, because, you know, they're just... You know, teachers, the lowest level. Well, I can tell you what. Jesus was a teacher. The reason they need teaching, because they, they, every week they're being told to be born again. Every week. No, I, you know, that's why I was, I was telling them this morning. I mean, this, this man, Christ Jesus, I mean, who, who by one offering perfected forever them that are sanctified. He's done it. Oh, I mean, it's done. He has sat down to right hand of the Father. When the priest sat down, that means it's finished. It's done. Don't have to be born again and again and again and again over and over and over and over. Done one time. Now we need to figure out. Like Paul said, know ye not? Paul didn't say you got to be born again and again. He said, don't you know you were baptized into Christ's death once and for all? As Christ died unto sin once, so also reckon ye are also yourselves to be dead unto sin. How many times? Once. You don't need to be born again and again. You need to reckon yourself. So there, so there has to be teaching. And I thought, somebody's got to teach. Teaching is not exciting. Teaching don't fill the halls. But I'll tell you this. When you see the lack, or when you see what's missing, that's your commission. I want you to understand this. When you see what's missing, that's your commission. Because the Holy Spirit, now I'm careful how I tread here, because I want you to hear this right. The Holy Spirit puts blinders on you. I, didn't, I never cared about evangelism. There are people who are evangelists. Great. I'm not. I saw the need for teaching. That's where I was. That's where I still am. You see what you're supposed to see. Right? Other people don't see it. And then you can get upset with them because they don't see it. They aren't supposed to see it. You're supposed to see it because it's given to you. That's, 
you know, I always think this, and I, I'm just uh, uh, lending them. They came and they they cleaned the church, and 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 that's that's wonderful. I didn't even know it was dirty. <laughs> you, do you know? Because I don't pay no attention. But you see there, when you see something, you know some, uh, and you know I I can say this because Zach ain't here. Zach can't see when the trash can's full. I'm praying all the time that he would see when the trash can is full. I'm like, when the water bottle won't sit on the top anymore and it's falling out on the floor. Because, you know, our trash can is, you know, a stand-up cylinder. But really, it's uh, uh, receiving zone is about this big. And I keep thinking, Lord, when is my commission for taking the trash going to be up? When is he going to see? But you know, as you, as you grow and mature, you begin to see things. And when we were young, we didn't see the trash can was full anyway. We just mashed it down a little bit more and add some more in there. As you see this, as you go to do and pray in terms of what you see, the Holy Spirit will bring you together with others that see what you see, and you will pray together. Do you, do you understand that? We a lot of times want to just get a whole bunch of people together. They might not see what you see. Right? How can they? They don't see what you see. But when you get people together that see what you see, now we, we, got, we got something going on here. See what you see, and you pray together. And I can say this, don't expect the world to get involved with your burden. It's none of, none of, your, it's none of their business. You know what? I mean, I could, I could have walked around the store last night and I could have said, everybody stop, we got to pray for the store. It wasn't none of their business, was it? It wasn't none of their business. And you know what? I didn't go up to her and say, I could, could I pray for you? I, I didn't even ask her permission. I just did it. Sometimes that may be the case. Sometimes it's not. You just you yield your, your, yourselves uh, instruments under righteousness and whatever happens, happens. So I just felt it was necessary to be in the next aisle and do those things. You ha- and, and the reason I, say, reason I say all of this, you, you have to trust the Holy Spirit within you. You have to trust the Holy Spirit within you. And not only that, you've got to spend time getting to know the covenant documents. You know what the covenant documents are? Is this book, Old Covenant, New Covenant. There's a lot of uh, covenant documents in there. Uh, Learn the covenant documents and what Jesus purchased. That's your field of prayer. I told you, you can't pray outside of what Jesus didn't die for. But if Jesus died and rose again for it, there's your field of prayer. What did he die and rise again for? That's your field of prayer. That's my foundation of prayer. He said it. He did it. He swore it in covenant. Then I can boldly ask him to do it. Right? I mean, he said with his stripes, we're healed. Wait a minute, Jesus, I can ask for healing. How? Because he he swore it in his own blood. I have a right to ask for healing on anybody. Why? It's in the covenant document, right? With his stripes, we are healed. 
I, I, I mean, I can pray healing upon anybody because it's in the covenant document. Now, this is, and when I say trust the Holy Spirit within you, uh, you know, getting to know Him. And I'm not talking about an intellectual knowledge. Uh, I was using Tracy uh, this morning as an example. I would say Tracy's favorite store is Burke's. Now, how did I know that? Because I know her. Every time we go shopping, she wants to go to Burke's. Now, you may not know that, but I know that. Did it take a genius to figure that out? No. So getting to know the Father means spending time with the Father. And then, you know, because we used to think sometimes, well, they're a little slow. They'll never get it. Well, I'm a little slow, and I figured out Tracy's favorite store is Burke's. Her favorite drink is Diet Dr. Pepper. You know, how did I figure that? It wasn't written in a book somewhere. Oh, Diet Diet Pepsi. Yeah, see, she corrected me. She's over there going, no, you don't know me very well. I'm trying to get her on diet, Dr. Pepper. No. But, you know, it's spending time. It's spending time. It's It's getting to know. Now, you see, the reason I say that is because people... You know, there's some people think you have to be born again and again, and the Holy Spirit only shows up in God's house on Sunday. Well, how am I supposed to know somebody if I only get to spend 10 minutes with them a week? You can't. I ask every mother and father in here, how well do you know your children? You know them very well. You was there. You know, you've been there the whole time. You know them. You know what they like. You know what they don't like. Getting to know the Father. Now, when I say I can boldly ask Him to do, uh, I mean, my goodness. That's not putting God in a box. That's not putting God in a corner. Because I know, I know where our minds can go. God said all of that. He told us to ask for our sakes, not His See, people think that God, I mean, this is the lie. People think God is withholding. People think God really doesn't mean you well. I I, I was telling this morning, I said, man, do you know how many times I have to go back to the cross? Because we do, we doubt. We doubt. I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit up here. I mean, uh, he wrote to Timothy. He said, when we're faithless, he is faithful. When we are faithless, Paul wrote that. When we're faithless, he is faithful. There are times when, when uh, I got to go back. I got I to go back to the covenant document and then see it. And it's written in blood. And, and I see, oh, now wait a minute. He's faithful. I, I don't live by my faith towards him. I live that he is who he says he is. And how can, what better way to show that than go back to the cross? When people, when they were there and they pulled his beard out and they spit in his face and they beat him, put a crown of thorn on his head, Gene. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what to, I go back and I'm amazed at that every time. 
I want to go back and I want to say, this, I don't want to pray for this person. I don't want to, you know, I just, I don't feel like it. I got to go back. Does God mean them good? Is God really the person who said that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the glory of God? I don't know. I don't get that. I don't get it. I look at these people and I think, there's no way. No way you love them. No way you love me. I mean, I, I got to go back to the cross. And I look at it again and I'm shaking my head. So when, when I say this, I'm not putting God in a corner and say, hey, you know, I'm telling you, God, I'm like I'm some legal attorney here. And I'm saying, God... No, he said that for us because we don't know who he is. We think he's withholding. So he says, ask. Why do we ask? So that we know he wants to give. It's his desire to give. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. What was God's desire? God's desire is to give. And I'm telling you what, as, the, as, the, as Christ in you becomes, his desires become yours, what is it? You want to give. You want to give, don't you? And I mean, as, as I watch as people grow up, people say, I want to go to church to, to, I want to go to church to get my blessing. Knock yourself out, buddy. When, when Christ has grown up in you, you'll want to go to be a blessing because it's better to give than it is to receive. And you'll, and you'll want to give in, in all matter. You, you'll want to come up to the church on a Thursday and, and do things. And you just want to give because that's who you are. That's Christ in you. That's what happens. And it's, and it's just growing up into that. So it's not putting God in a box, putting God into a corner. He told us that so it would get into our thick skull. You know, we got a thick skull. We don't get it. We, he wants to get it in a thick skull that that's what he wants to do. Do you realize that? God wants I mean, I'm just going to use Gene. God wants, he wanted to heal Gene's blood clot. But I told you, he won't do anything in this world except we ask. And you know what? He wanted us to ask. And when we ask, he did it. That's how he works. We think we got to box him in a corner and, and pat our foot and say, hey, you covenant documents. No, he wants to do it. We, he encourages us to ask. It's not putting God in a corner. It brings us to the point where we do indeed believe that he shall do this very thing that we ask. I mean, when we prayed for Gene, did you doubt? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. I'm not holding your feet to the fire. But is there a doubt now? And, and, I mean, isn't prayer fun? I mean, really, when you get right down to it, this is a house of prayer. We're his house, a house of prayer. And the kingdom of heaven, it's his desire, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Prayer should be fun and filled with joy. But my God, what if we made prayer? Now, in the light of that, now hear me here. In the light of that, when people come and say, pray for me, don't be quick to say yes. Now, what I mean here is, I'm not talking about immediate prayer. When somebody wants 
us to lay hands on them or pray at this very moment. I'll pray for anybody at, the, at any time. That's what I'm not talking about. But I'm talking about when, when people come and they want to be on your prayer list. Every one of you has got a prayer list. Some of ours may have the same on it. Some may be different. But you know what I'm talking about. People, you know, they, oh, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. I mean, we got to be, we, we got to understand, I don't, I don't know. If the Holy Spirit brings you before me, and I'm, I'm, you know, not trying to be spiritual, but I want you to understand, I can't pray for everybody. Maybe you're not my burden. Now, let me say this. Wouldn't you rather have the person that's supposed to be praying for you pray? But a lot of times in the church, we think all the big holy people that stand up front, they're the holy ones. Maybe, maybe that little 13-year-old over there is the one that is supposed to pray for you, but I don't want them. I want the bishop to pray for me. You see, God knows how to work through our pride, okay? Maybe you haven't been assigned to me. There are people that God has put in my life, and I have to pray for it, pray for them. And you know how I know? They wake me up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. You know, I told you I got a, I got a road in my book right there. I was when I, praying for Kay. I mean, I'm watching a daggone submarine movie, uh, and and you know, a movie about war and bombs and submarines, and and he, he puts Kay right in the middle of the daggone movie and wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning. And says, "Pray Psalm 23 over Kay." What are you gonna do with that? He didn't wake y'all up. He woke me up. So what does that mean? He gave her to me to pray for her. So what I do, I pray Psalm 23 over. Who wakes you up in the middle of the night? Because there are people. There are people. And the more you yield yourselves instruments unto righteousness, the more you will be woken up in the middle of the night. I mean, that's how I know. Because remember, we're trying to make this distinction between the lust and the desires. Now, in Acts 16, you don't have to go there. You can go read it for yourself. Paul and Silas, they're on their second missionary journey. Now, if you're on a missionary journey, where would you go? You'd go to the biggest city in the neighborhood that would have the most effect, right? You'd go to Ephesus at that time. You'd go to Ephesus. They, they start on the road to Ephesus, but the Spirit suffered them not. Doesn't God love Ephesus? I mean, you would have to think that. I mean, I've heard it preach. Well, God, you know, He just, He didn't love them. He, you know, different. No. Of course, He loves Ephesus, but it wasn't ready yet. Wasn't ready yet. There are a lot of things that have to happen in Ephesus before they're ready to hear what Paul and Silas have to say. You do realize that there are people that God is dealing with out in front of you that ain't ready to hear what you got to say. And you may go to them and the Spirit says, no, not yet, not yet. 
So the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there. Where else would you go? You go to the next biggest area, which was Bithynia. And, uh, and you know what? But here they are. They're going to Ephesus. The Holy Spirit says, no. So it's the next biggest city, Bithynia. So they go to Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit said, no. It suffered them not to go there either. And they, and, but they were moving. The Holy Spirit says, right now, there's a little company of people down in Macedonia of Greece. They're aching to hear what you have to say. I've been working with them. They're ready just now. They're ready. Go. They end up in Philippi. Do you see what I mean? Gosh, I've, I've seen the doctrine tore up so much. They think, well, you know, God didn't have... It's not that God doesn't love a person when he restrains you from praying for them. They just aren't ready yet. Get a hold of that. They just aren't ready yet. I know there's times when I'm excited to pray for a person. Have you ever been excited to pray for a person? I mean, I was excited to pray for that little girl last night. I was excited to pray for Jeff's mom. I hate to hear what's going on, but I mean, you know, that's almost a stamp your foot prayer. No more. There's some covenant documents here that, you know, uh uh-uh. And it's exciting to pray, wasn't it? I don't know if you could feel it. Exciting to pray. Other times, there's there's a restraint, at least for me, that the Holy Spirit says not yet. I mean, have you got that? I mean, when you try to pray for somebody, it just. And the same thing happens to decisions in our lives. Same thing applies. What I mean is, there's a lot of things that you won't find in the Bible. Uh, You know, there was a time when I lived in Charlotte, working on a railroad. And they're coming to decision, do I leave Charlotte, move back here, or whatever. You know, I searched the whole Bible, and it didn't talk about Charlotte, and it didn't talk about Richlands, and the whole Bible. So I didn't have a clear, you, you, know, you know what I mean? People, people will do this. Do I marry that person? Do I not marry that person? You know, I, you know, I wish I could get into the Bible and say, okay, you, oh, here it is in Ezekiel 46. You are supposed to marry so-and-so. Oh, good, we'll follow the instructions. It doesn't work that way. Uh, At that point, you're left with principles. In moving from Charlotte back to Richlands, am I violating some principle of covenant? No, I'm not. But then I must recognize the Holy Spirit in me. What's he saying? And and let me tell you something. And, And this is the point that a lot of people miss it. What is exciting you? What is exciting you? And I, I don't want to pick Tim and Denise out right here, but I can remember them telling me they went up and prayed over a piece of land up there where you live. And you know, why did she do that? Because, I mean, the, I don't know if y'all know where she lives. They live up on a mountain. And they could have picked a thousand different places to pray over and picked that one. Why? Something excited you, didn't it? Now, what was that? That was the desires of the Lord that excited you. See, we think if I'm excited, that must be not for me. <laughs> Daggone praying is fun. And when we learn that, it, that, that we can follow that excitement, 
Then I start to get excited. Oh, yeah, I'm moving back from Charlotte. This is going to be, this is exciting. I want to go and I follow it. And maybe everybody I love is there. And this, you know, wasn't in some violation of covenant documents. So, and I follow those principles and I follow the excitement of the Lord because He works in you both the will and do of what His good pleasure. We forget that. I heard coming up here this morning, oh boy, when you come into the church, it's like, woe is me. And I thought, who wants to be that? Hey, you know what? You know who's going to persecute you? It ain't the world. They don't give a hoot. It's, it's the church that beats up the church. Brothers fighting brothers. That's who persecutes. It's not the world. They could care less. But it's like, boy, when you come in, you know, and I heard this, you know, my whole life. When you come into the church, boy, be ready. Be ready for fighting and battling and persecution and picking up your cross. And well, I'm thinking, the only times those things ever happened to me was when the church was kicking me out or, or coming down on me. None of that with Christ. I mean, it's exciting. Not drudgery. What's exciting you? And I'm telling you, I challenge you, what's exciting you? Pray for it. You know, kindle that flame. I mean, do you ever come to the time? Now listen, I know this, and this is a beautiful picture, but I want to, I was trying to think of the show. I got a, uh, America's Got Talent, maybe. And that, uh, not that I watch it. <laughs> not that I watch secular TV. Uh-uh. Anyway, they had this girl on there, and she did this art with sand. Have you ever seen anybody do that? They just take this sand and pour it out, and they draw these beautiful pictures with sand, and she could go from one to the, to the other. And when she got done with the picture, wipe it, it was sand, and it was gone, but it was beautiful art. I don't know why I told you that, but there's a picture out there, footprints in the sand, there was two footprints, and then there was one footprint, and then there was two footprints, and you know, that's when you was carrying me. Well, that's all good. That's all good. But let me tell you, when you're being carried is when you're a baby. What I want to tell you is, a good man's steps are ordered of the Lord. Now, we know that was Christ, but who are you? You are in Christ, and Christ is in you, and you're His body. So your feet are His feet. And what I'm saying is, when I'm in doubt, I need to look down on the ground and see where His footprints are and put my feet in His footprints. I say that, guys, and these are all, when I was in the Marine Corps, when we got off that bus in Paris Island at midnight, it was pitch black dark, and there was a street light, and out on the street was these yellow footprints, and we didn't know nothing, but we had to go put our feet in them footprints, and they were painted just like that, and we just all found us a pair of footprints, and we put our feet in them. I'm telling you, when you're in doubt, go find the footprints and put your feet in his steps. And walk. And I mean, that, that's it. Walk. Find out where his steps are and walk in his steps. So there comes a point where with all the evidence that you've gleaned in the areas of, of everything we've discussed, you come to the conclusion, as far as I can see, this is the will of God. Right? I've, I've got all the evidence. This is the will of God. And you're very adamant about it. This is the will of God. Now, what if you missed it? 
Because there's always that doubt, right? What if this isn't the will of God? I mean, you know, at some point in time, maybe they're praying over the piece of land. At some point in time, when you start coming up on all the obstructions, you start to think, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? But wait a minute, I'm animate. So which is it? Is it me? Is it him? You see, now here we go. Well, this is one thing that I've learned of the Lord. He's good. So if you missed it, the first thing you need to start out with is you need to start out as, if I didn't miss it, wait a minute, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is our land right here. This, I don't know what the holdup is. This is our land. I'm going to be adamant. And I'm going to move forward. Let me ask you a question. How hard would it be to go out there in my little Subaru right now and steer that thing? You'd say, well, it's impossible. The steering wheel's locked. We don't have the keys and we're not moving. How, how easy is it to steer the vehicle when it's fired up and moving? Sometimes I drive with my knee. I shouldn't say that, should I? As I'm eating a hot dog. <laughs> oh, Teddy, guilty, Teddy. Guilty. It's your fault. So you know what I'm talking about. We're driving with our knees going down the road while we're eating. We shouldn't be doing that. We'll have to edit that out of the video. How easy is it to steer when you're moving? And I'm telling you what, you know, people will throw the scripture, oh, believe a lie and be damned. Boy, if you mess up, God's going to get you. I don't know. That's not our Father. If we're moving and you missed it, trust me, He will guide you where you're supposed to be. If you yield yourselves, He will gently. We used to sing a song, 305 or 306, Gentle Shepherd, gently lead us. And I think, do y'all really believe that He is the gentle shepherd that will, that will lead us? You guy told me the other day, he said, man, you need to go read Psalm 23. You need to read Psalm 23 again. He said, you missed it. I said, yay, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Huh. That's what a good father does. And I can tell you this, if you, if you missed it, that's when the Holy Spirit will say no. Have you ever heard the Holy Spirit say no? Don't pray that right now. Wait. Yeah, He will if you listen. He'll suffer you not to go. He didn't say, Paul, oh gosh, if you go to Ephesus. There was an excitement with Paul and Silas. I'll say this again. There's no green lights on God's highway, if you want to put it that way. You go. You go. And and. If he wants you to change direction, there'll be a yield sign or a stoplight. Other than that, go. It's in the covenant documents. I didn't have to ask, Lord, is it your will that I pray for Jeff's mom today? I didn't have to ask. It's a green light. Do, do you understand? There was a green light. Pray. Yeah, it's there. Pray. I got a green light. So... How does he make this thing work? Let me, let me go back over here to John, and I'm gonna, I ain't going to keep you too much longer. First John, 
And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we're desired of Him. How, how do we make that work? How does the whole thing of being seated with Christ, reigning with Christ, participating in the highest glory of Jesus, which is in asking, how does all that work? And I'm going to tell you, one of the things, and this be one of the only ones we get to today. In the light of that knowing the will of God, when we come to pray, we do so with praise. And I'm going to tell you what. That, that is one of the things that we, we, we have to come to that understanding. Because beggars don't praise. Beggars beg. Okay? But when you know. Uh, Psalm 100. Let me just give you one here. Psalm 100. If I can find Psalms. Psalms 100. I just read, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. How can land make a noise? Hmm. Maybe he ain't talking about the dirt out there. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Come before His presence. Didn't, didn't Paul, the one who told us that we come boldly to the throne of grace? So we can come boldly with singing. We're going to get to a lot of verses, not today. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. I told you, He's the one that made, uh, he's the, one that made the lions and shut the lion's mouth when Daniel was in there. I mean, it would be a scary thing, but then you got to remember, know that he is God, and he made the lion. So Daniel, rest on. And not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Do you know what that means, we are his people? I'm going to tell you what. There are a lot of children in this world. Three belong to me. You know, Stevie, Morgan, and Zach, they're mine. Above all others, they're mine. Your kids, they're yours. I, I mean, we are his. We belong. So, and, and, you know, I belong to dad right there. So, you know, a lot of times it's like you want to mess. You know what I used to do when I was little? I go home and tell dad. Dad, take care of it. You, you know what I mean? We are his people. Know that he is God and know that we belong to him. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Oh my goodness. For the Lord is good. His mercy, His hesed, His loving kindness, His covenant mercy is how long? Everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. He's the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Never going to change. It's who He is. And who is He? He's good. He is love. We, we have to get rid of the thought that somehow we have to win some battle. The battle has been won and we're coming with praise. We're, we're coming to enforce. We are coming to implement that which has already been done. You know, Ephesians 6, 
says, having done all, stand. Having done all. Spiritual warfare, stand. That's odd position of warfare, wouldn't it? The peak of spiritual warfare is to stand. Having done all, stand. And I may have given you this before, but I'll give it to you again in a boxing match. After the, after the, after the boxing is over, the referee stands there. And he don't lift both hands. He's got one guy over here and one guy over here. And the winner, he lifts his hand in victory. And you know what? The guy stands. The fight's over. That's it. Victory. Having done all, he's given us the victory. What do we do? Stand. So they're coming at us and saying, we want another round. The referee says, no, it's over. The fight is over. I have raised the hand. It's done. When we come in prayer, having done all, stand. I'm standing there. Well, just mom's got the COVID. The doctor said this. Wait a minute. Our hands are raised. Thanks be to God, which does what? Giveth us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. My hand is raised. You raised it. Victory. Do you, do you understand? I'm not, coming as a, I'm not coming there as a beggar hoping to win a victory. Let's get the victory. I need somebody to come into the sickness and raise the hand. Do you get what I'm saying? I need somebody to come in there with their hand raised and say, victory. And what is, what is raising our hands? Isn't that praise? We lift up our hands. I mean... Do you see how this prayer works? I mean, this is where it begins. We come, oh, Lord, oh, boy, if it could be your will. Throw that nonsense out. It is his will. It is. Oh, yeah, he is good. I read to you, he is good. Right? I mean, his mercy is everlasting. His, his truth endures unto all generations. And we're his people. And he, he wants somebody to come and stand and, and stand there in that victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? If the other guy disagrees, if the other guy comes and says, no, now hang on a minute, you don't really have the victory, you know what? I didn't make the decision. You got to talk to the ref. You got to talk to the ref because he said, boom, they rang the bell and it's over. And Jesus rang the bell on the cross and he said, it's finished. The fight is over with. It's done. The bell's been rung. If you, if you won't acknowledge the victory that we have in the Lord, you need to take it up with him. Because all he told me to do is come and stand and having done all, stand. What? Well, I mean, why? Goodness. Isn't, this, isn't prayer fun now? <laughs> It's done. Been declared the winner. It's all done. You've won. Stand. Stand in the victory that already is. See, I didn't win the victory. <laughs> I didn't win nothing. He just told me to come and stand. The way to do that's with praise. Uh, prayer is interlaced with, with, with praise. Prayer finds its highest expression in praise. Never come in prayer as if you have to move towards victory. Don't do it. You come in order to stand to the victory that's already been won. Now, let's see if I can find this. I want to show you something. Uh, I believe it's in Mark. Yeah. 
Blind Bartimaeus. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Mark chapter 10. I'm looking in the wrong verse. And I'm going to quit here. This, what I'm telling you guys, this ain't name it, claim it stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, the first thing about prayer is you ask according to the will of God. Remember, the, the glory of Jesus on the throne is his asking. And it's amazing how few Christians actually ask. People name it and claim it before they ask. Right? He said, ask. Psalm 2, ask of me. I'm not saying name it and claim it as all that, but the first thing about prayer is asking. People command before they ask. First thing about prayer is asking. And that asking, we come in praise. When you follow a recipe, you got to follow the set of instructions, right? And there's an order. And the first order of prayer is an asking, Right? And it's not a vague asking. I'm going to tell you, this is be specific. Prayer has detail. Right? We were praying for Gene's blood clot to be gone. We were specific. And it's gone. And the answer will be as the asking. And and I'm throwing this out to y'all. Every one of you sitting here right now, are you asking right now anything of the Lord? So specific that when He answers, you will know. So specific. I mean, what are you praying about? I have learned. I'm still learning. I mean, because a lot of times a prayer will, will come out and it will begin very vague. Okay? We're praying for Jean and her blood clot. That we were specific. And boom, we're praying for Jeff's mother. We're specific. And most people, when they pray, they aren't specific because most people don't really even know what they want. But I'm telling you, when, when it becomes and when you go up there on the hill and all of the land is up there and I'm going to put my foot in this land because this is it. I'm specific. This, I don't care about that one. This one. Now I can get down to business. And a lot of times when we pray, we pray so vague a prayer. I'm saying when we pray, be so specific when the Lord answers. We prayed for Gene's blood clot to be gone. And the answer was Gene's blood clot is gone. You you see what I mean? Specific. Ask your desire. And, and let me tell you something. If you listen, you will desire it so much that you will ask. Because it's what he talked about. I mean, and what does he do? He works in you his desires. And his desires will just keep coming. What keeps flooding your mind? I mean, I mean what is it? Well, I mean, what just keeps you up at night? What is it? What is he wanting you to ask? We were talking earlier about the state of the country and how our country's for. What is it? Be specific. I'm, I'm going to tell you one. I, I just, you know, and I see these things come to fruition right before our very eyes. And you might think we didn't have nothing to do with it. I'm going to tell you what. 
And, and I ain't tooting my horn right here because this prayer has been going for a long time. I never liked Chris Cuomo. Where is he now? He got fired. When this whole thing was going on, I used to think, what a daggone scandal. Him and his brother and up there and, and doing all of these crazy things. And I prayed for the Lord to expose him. And you might say, oh, you're just being arrogant. I, guys, I prayed it. You may have prayed it too. You know, I don't know. But when, when what's going on out here in this world and what's going on with all of this stuff, why do, you, why do you think it bothers you? He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. This country is never going to change until we learn to ask. And we ask with boldness. And we ask with praise. Here's this guy. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, they came to Jericho. And I'm going to quit with this. They came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timotheus, Timaeus, set by the high, set by the highway side begging. I want you to get this. This is coming near the end of the ministry of Jesus. He's coming out of Jericho. Now, his fame had been, a, been abroad. And you know what they're having right here? They're having a parade. Just a couple of weeks ago, they had a Christmas parade in Richlands. And, and the, so they had a parade. I mean, this is nothing. They're having a parade. Now, this is at the same time as he's going. Blind Bartimaeus is there. This is the same time Zacchaeus is there, climbs up into the sycamore tree. We ain't talking about Zac uh, Zacchaeus here, but we're talking about Blind Bartimaeus. And now, what do you do when you're having a parade? Man, you go clear the streets, you know. We work on the railroad tracks. We make sure the railroad's not going to run any trains. We clear the street. Plus, if there's any homeless people, any bums down there, right, we go get them off the street. Well, here's blind Bartimaeus and all these other blind people. They're down there. Wait a minute. We're having a prayed for Jesus. We're having a prayed for, for, the, for the Messiah. We can't have these people out here. Clear the streets. So here they come, and Bartimaeus knows that his fame has went out. And when he knows it's Jesus coming, it was Jesus. And now that he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What a statement. He began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David. He knew who he was. He knew the son of David was this, the Messiah, the anointed one. And what did he say? Have mercy on me. He went right back into Psalm. His mercy endureth. His mercy endureth forever. That's the Hasid. That's the covenant. That's the loving kindness. He, is, he says, hey, look, you're it. They told us when you would come, you would come with healing in your wings. Malachi told us, you're it. You're the guy Isaiah told us about. You're, you're the one with his stripes. You're, you're healed. You're it. You're it. Now, I'm calling on the covenant documents do your covenant thing to me. Do it. Have mercy on me. Make the covenant come alive here. You can do it. You, you see what I mean? 
And when he started crying us out, everybody said, oh, gosh, we, we got to stop these people. I mean, we're having to pray to you. And they, they charged the people that he should hold his peace. But he said, no, I'm not holding my peace. He cried the more, thou son of David, have mercy. I'm calling the covenant documents into, into effect here. That's what he said, the Hasid. I love it. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, said unto him, be of comfort, arise, he calleth for thee. Imagine Jesus in the parade. The beggars is over there begging. Now I want you to know something. The beggars all dressed alike. They had their own special beggars clothes. So when you walk down the street, you seen that kind of coat. You knew they were the beggars. That was their right to beg. And here comes Jesus marching along and Jesus stops. Now... I love this. Jesus didn't go to him. He says, you tell him to come to me. Now see, there's some boldness here that we got to come boldly to the throne of grace and seek mercy in the time of need. Oh, be of good cheer. He calls for you. Can you imagine that? I mean, I just think about these things sometimes. And I'm going to tell you what now. Heaven has been opened. Heaven ain't closed. He opens and none can shut. He shuts and none can open. It, he, what he shut was everything in the old. Now it's open. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. The veil that kept us away was done away in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's open and he calleth for thee. Do you realize every day he calls for you, Teddy? He calls for all of us and he says every day, come and ask what you will. That's a call to every one of us. Come and ask what you will and see that I'm good and I won't give you the desires that you ask. We've been reading that in John. Every day he wakes us up and he says, come and ask. But we don't, do we? Oh, I can't bother the Lord with that. I can't bother the Lord with what kind of car should I buy. I can't bother the Lord with should I buy these shoes or not. I can't bother the Lord with should I buy this land or not buy the land. He says, come and ask. Come and ask. No, we don't. But he says, hey, he calls us for these. So we come. And, we come. and look what it says in verse 50. And he cast in away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. You know what he did when he cast away his garment? He gave up his right to beg. He no longer had a right to beg. He gave it up. And let me tell you, every single one of you, you gave up your right to beg. You're no longer known by that beggar's coat anymore. The master... He calleth for thee. The son of David, he calleth for thee. Be of good cheer. You don't have a right to beg anymore. There's no more begging here. He left that garment over there. The woman at the well left her water pot. It's over. Those things are behind you. Put off that old coat and put on the new. As you have put on Christ Jesus. As you've received him, so walk you in him. And Jesus answered this man that comes to him. And Jesus asked him a question. What, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What a question. Every morning, every day, every afternoon, every night, Jesus is asking you, Teddy, what will you have me do for you today? My oh God, what a question. What do you want? What do you want? And the blind man said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus says, depart from me, thou wicked and unfaithful servant. Get out of here. I didn't come for that. Jesus said unto him, go thy way. 
Thy faith hath made thee whole. And in some glad day he received his sight. Y'all must have a different Bible. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, not on the way. Is that verse up there? What's uh, verse 52, Jeff? Look, he followed Jesus in the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the resurrection. That's how we, that's the beginning of our prayer. And that is who we are. I'm telling you, we are nothing except we are a house of prayer, the house of prayer. I'm telling you, that's who we are. I will quit with that and we'll come to our communion.